Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDesho. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDesho at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Welcome to Worry Desho's Stream of Thought. I have internet. Yay. I actually somehow, through, like, I don't know what blood magic I had to pull off <laughs> to make this happen, but I actually managed to transition from one internet provider to another, despite all the massive chaos that, like, led up to it. So I'm actually here, unfortunately for you all. And as oh, always, of course, <laughs> as always, of course, I'm the Brit with, uh, you know, some kind of wit shaded. You know, I've just made that out of nowhere. So you can now, that's my catchphrase going forward. Uh, and joining me from across the pond, but close to my heart, is as always my very good colleague, the Soul Doctor. Witty line here. Insert one, please. <laughs> Google really hard for you. Find one, you know. <laughs> Hello, Sophie. Vinland hype mm. indeed. We are, we are hype for lucky number 13 Vinland episode. <laughs> There's not really a good way to like, you know, we had Vin 10 and uh, Vin 11 saga, mm-hmm. you know, but you can't really, 13 is a tough one. I can't really think I, of a good like way to like just mash a portmanteau out of those two, you know. Mm, sadly, not no. Uh, but anyway, yes, we're back. We're gonna be talking now about uh, this is technically season two, I suppose, if you want to call it that. Although really, it's the same full twenty six mm-hmm. episode core or twenty five. Now, 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 uh, now, now. Let's let's use the proper anime fandom, you oh. know, verbage. It's is this going where I think it's going? Core. Yeah. Uh, all core right. two, not season two. <laughs> it's core number two. Oh, have, you, have you have you had your pills, say, Doc? You be you know to handle your pedantry because you're <laughs> being very pedantic there. <laughs> Take your medicine, man. No, look, I'm. I also right, right. am. I, I advocate the whole seasons thing. I don't know why we do cores. Maybe. To differentiate between shows that take a break and come back. Do I versus... do I look like I'm wearing a beret? Do I look like a snob? Like you know, that's why I don't say well, cool. I just tell it as it as it is. You know. Do you really want me to answer that? Oh, go on, <laughs> go on. No, it was just a joke. You definitely don't. 
you don't look like a film snob or any other kind of snob. You're a fighting game snob, but I don't think you're going to be the base snob. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's fair. I think you that's not really the face that shows that off more than anything, but well. No, you've achieved you've achieved the beer snob status. I think you're you're good there. Mm-hmm. What Damn are you right. drinking? Anything or is it uh, not, not tonight? Night? I'm just, I'm, dr- mm-hmm. I'm drinking the uh, the most non-alcoholic, non-anything of beverages, Diet Coke. Mm, yeah, I've got I've got Diet Dr Pepper here. This podcast not sponsored by any diet soda, unfortunately. Diet Dr Pepper. Mm-hmm. That's criminal. You don't you don't like it? Like what? Wait a minute. Dr. Pepper's got a distinctive taste, but you drink it with the sugary version. You don't drink no, Diet no, no. Dr. Pepper. Listen, why do, why have you ever tried like... it? No, no, okay. This I is have. Great. It's shit. It, it is definitely not shit. In fact, it is so not shit that it is the only diet soda that tastes anything like its non-diet counterpart. The rest of them, t- Diet Coke, tastes nothing like Coca-Cola Classic. Diet Pepsi... I- it's a different drink than Pepsi. Like I would, I would rather drink Mephistopheles' armpit sweat than drink that crap. Oh my god! Listen, I haven't had a sugary soda in a, a long ass time. It's been, oh, it's been. I think it's been years uh, at this point. And so I guess maybe I've become. It's sort of a Stockholm syndrome type thing where I've just become used to it. And no, no, now no, this you, tastes I, nothing like I, 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 it tastes like what I remember regular Dr. Pepper tasting like maybe is the deal. Well, I mean, you are a, by your own title, a, you know, uh, a subtle doctor, but I've got a diagnosis for you here. You've got a serious case of just being plain fucking wrong. <laughs> How dare you? And there is I'm medication correct. for that. It's called the full sugar version. Take twice oh. a day. Uh, anyway, we're not here, of course, to rate soda or just the merits. We should, armor. though. We should talk about, like, soda ratings. This is a prime Patreon content waiting to happen. Because there, there are better versions of Diet Coke, for instance, than the plain, the sweet ordinary truth. one. Yeah. There's the, ti- there's the title. And that's as far as I'm taking that concept, believe okay. me. I mean, I'm not even talking about beer there, you know. I can at least engage in being a beer sub. But no, we're of course here to talk about Vinland Saga, episode 13, Child of a Hero. And you might think to yourself, hmm, I wonder who that refers to. Is it our, you know, lead protagonist forfeit? And, well, a bit ambiguous in this episode, as it turns out. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. Um, things oh, are I don't think back it's ambiguous. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. Like, there are many children of heroes in the show, but the episode mm. is referring to one in particular. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, we'll be coming inside a bit. And actually, just to get ahead of uh, things here, like the show is actually picking back up again a little bit, which I really appreciate. Like, obviously, I groused a bit last time about uh, you know the pacing, and the pacing issues haven't still quite resolved themselves. But I've started seeing things a bit in a new light, which I'll get to when we get to our talking points. So you, uh, you got I'm us, on the up again. You got us two thumbs down on YouTube. <laughs> two whole thumbs down. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, no, of course, it's, it's definitely that's, that's fine. That's not the also, worst I've been roasted. I, look, I, <laughs> I also played a part of that uh, coming well, over were you to one your of, side. Were you one of those thumbs? I was not one of the thumbs, but I was one of the... I came over to your, your point of view that uh, episode 12 was a, a, a wheel-spinning exercise. Mm-hmm. Nope. Oh, was that your pizza delivery? 
Did you get pizza and you didn't get any for me? What a bastard. That is what happened, yes. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm wounded. Really, I am. I'm more wounded than poor Askeladd's horse. I mean, how bad can you feel for one animal? Like, you know... I mean, I'll get to it in the plot summary, but I just want to say now I find it hilarious that our new character, whose name I'm not going to reveal yet because it's prime joke material later, uh, that he says, you're all barbarians, and the shot's just looking at, like, Askeladd's dead horse, and like, <laughs> Pot Kettle Black, man! Pot Kettle <laughs> Black! Yes. Come on! Come yeah. on! Uh, anyway, so before we get into that, of course, we're going to talk about the polls from previous, or rather the mm-hmm. poll, and then we'll get into some uh, stuff about the creators of this particular episode, I believe. Is that right, Doc? That is correct, although both those sections will be quite short. That's fine. Let's, <laughs> let's get them underway then so we can get to talking about the prime roast beef that is this episode. Yes. Put right well, in. Let's get, the, let's get the side salad uh, over and done with here. Okay, so poll for last week, Vinland Saga episode 12. Poll number one, the one and only. Um, how did you feel about the first time that Canute spoke? Uh... 71% of our audience said it was great, which is um, kind of not how I thought that would go. Uh, and then the, the remaining uh, two <clears throat> choices both uh, had 14%. Uh, the eh, it was fun, and what a letdown. Uh, combined, they would only sort of, you know, give a, give a 28%. So... So this is a pretty, this is a landslide vote here. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think every poll I put up this point where I express an opinion <laughs> yeah, of my own, yes. like everyone goes against, I am just wrong on every count. And, I mean, and you know what? I will die on that hill repeatedly I, over and over again. Believe me. Um, polls are science. It's hard to argue true, with science. Especially on Twitter, you know, the most scientific <laughs> of places. Um, but I want to elaborate on why I put that poll out there because Funnily enough, again, like it's as we do like this kind of sequential look week on week at a show, understandings change as we look back on you know characters and new revelations and you know things that we knew previously or thought previously are now different. We think differently about them. That's the nature of judging media week on week. So here's the thing, right? I took umbrage with that initially because I thought that that was Canute's like moment of introduction, as it were, the point mm-hmm. at which they became a character. Um, so to speak, rather than just being, you know, extra man, person in background, you know, the red shirt, whatever, sir not appearing in this film, or Bob, or whatever his fucking name was. Um, but the funny thing is, I was wrong, not about my opinion, well, it's just the opinion, of course, but about my feeling at the time, but rather I was wrong in thinking that was the episode in which we were actually properly introduced to Canute. That's not true. It's this episode, and it, there's certainly plenty to talk about. Um, so we'll come to that in a bit, but yeah, um, times can change one's opinion or at least give new perspective, and we've now got certainly more to work with than we had previously mm-hmm. for a lot of the characters, which I really appreciate. But we'll, of course, come to that in a bit. Doc, take it away with who actually is responsible for episode 13. Who got the unlucky number? Okay. Who, who so got the short straw? The director uh, of this episode is uh, Yosuke Yamamoto. Uh, again, a name that we have talked about twice already because Yamamoto-san directed episode three, Tururu, and then episode uh, six, Tabi no Hajimari, uh, The Journey Begins. And so now he's at the helm for uh, Eiyu no Ko, uh, The Hero's Child. And we've already talked about the CV and that it's not really much of anything to uh, to write home about. 
<laughs> this is definitely uh, his uh, first like thing of note. I think I think it might be the, his first time being an episode director. But he worked on such forgettable shows as Asura Cryon. And the only reason... Wait, what was that, what's that called? Asura Cryon. I thought you said Ass of Crying no. or something. <laughs> crying, by the way, with no G. It is literally crying. I mean, not if, crying. If, you've got a case of, if you've got a case of Ass of Crying, like, you really <laughs> need to go see a doctor. I just want to throw that out there. Like, I'm so sorry if you've been afflicted with that condition. But, like, get help. Please. <laughs> and don't make an anime about it either. <laughs> Truly. Well, that's not the last time we were talking about ass in this episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh uh, I love this show for just giving me free man, material. Like, you know, is... anyone could be a comedian when you chat shit about Vinland Saga. It's great. It's so true. Like, so Asura Kryan, the the things I, I remember about it, like, I never watched it because it looked like not a thing I would be into. Um, But, like, back when Crunchyroll first became a thing, like, it had... Only recently, I had recently discovered it in like 2009, and they had very, very recently gone from being, you know, a a, a site that was all about hosting like fan subs and sort of less than legal stuff to like a a legal by the book outfit. And one of the very few things I can recall from their much smaller catalog back then was Asura Cryon. <laughs> so. This well, is where I remember start, it from. You gotta, you gotta start somewhere, it's I guess. True. You know, it's true. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go legit, you've gotta, you've gotta sell your anime that sounds like you know a venereal disease of the Wrexham. <laughs> but hey, there we go. <laughs> oh dear. Does that technically make me racist by commenting on like you know how I don't understand the Japanese name there? I'm so sorry if it does. I'll try not to be make any more butt jokes in this episode. That's gonna be very difficult. I don't know. I think you were. I think the joke was about my voice and <laughs> not about <laughs> you know uh asura oh well <laughs> okay so uh let's get started talking about a uh, child of a hero let's do it and we open with well uh visual similarities you know there this is very much clearly you know uh fourth in alta from fate grand order you know carrying a woman onto the shore no obviously it's not fourth in alta i'm joking uh this, I'm going to reveal now, uh, just so you can have it in mind for later, is actually Askelad at a young age, uh, carrying a woman ashore. Uh, and the person he's meeting there is Gracianus, again, also younger as well. Although, you know, when you look like that, I get the impression Gracianus has always looked like, you know, a lump of, like, petrified wood throughout much of his life. <laughs> he's one of those guys that probably from, like, age, like, 17 to age, like... 42 looked exactly he's the like, same. He's like, he's like Dean Norris from uh, Breaking Bad. He played, uh, you know... <laughs> God, what was his name? He played Hank. Like, yeah, have you seen him in yeah. Starship Troopers? And you've seen him in Breaking Bad? He looks like he's not aged a single day. Or Joseph mm-hmm. Kukin, who played Kane in Command and Conquer. Ironically, yeah. you know, an immortal, timeless figure. Who similarly also didn't age a fucking day. Really impressive. Anyway, so yeah, that's our opening scene there, where he's trying to bring his mother back to bury her because she's dying. Uh, we will, of course, get more context slice later. And then we get a new OP. And since we have a new OP, we've got to talk about it just the one time. I'm going to put it out there. I think this new OP looks great, and it's also very clearly hinting at certain character arcs that are going to come across later, particularly with Canute. Uh, but I did not care one jot for the song. Not that I didn't like it, I just it was just kind of... It's super boilerplate. Yeah. yeah compared, it especially really compared was... to the last one. Yeah, Mukanjo, or however you pronounce that, like... That actually fit the idea of the, you know, 
of the show. And like the closing screamy lyrics where Thorfinn's like, you know, on that battlefield and he's the last one alive. Like it almost felt like it was symbolic of his rage or what was going on. Like it had some sort of thematic resonance. Whereas this just sounds like, you know, well, whoever came up with the OP just decided he'd pick it based on what was on karaoke that night. You know, oh, I'm not singing this, but I'm going to make it into the song for our next OP. Brilliant. Brilliant. Get me, get me some more drinks. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I can't argue. I mean, I can't. I, w- I would like to make a, a case for the new new uh, OP, but um, well, the new OP song. I mean, you mentioned like the visuals were good, and they were pretty slick. But um, yeah, but yeah, include yeah. I have to say, by the way. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nope. Nope. You first. I have to say, though, one nice little detail I likes is, of course, we see all the red uh, Dad's Army trails because I can't not make that joke. Uh, you know, crossing over the maps, but mm-hmm. the arrow turns green as it approaches Vinland, which again is going to be your hint as to what's going on with Thorfinn Lace when he transitions from being a warrior to being someone who's more into exploring, which I really, really like as a small little touch. Like I say, the visuals of the new OP are great. Uh, I just wish they picked well anything. <laughs> but Johnny Cash is hurt over this. Pay his estate for some money. I would, I, I would totally listen to you know the Finland OP two with a uh, hurt playing over it. Would you? Would you? Uh, is it a like, you know, someone playing the triangle? You would take over the just bland <laughs> porridge that we Cash. got. <laughs> it's Johnny fucking Cash. <laughs> no, yeah, listen. Well, that's a big. I mean, I think most people would rather listen to Johnny Cash's hurt than. Probably seventy five percent of I'll take Nine OP Inch Nails version of it. There mm-hmm. we go. Sure, of yeah. course, that's a great version of that song. As as opposed to whatever this was. Well, I'm gonna make a poll about this, but I was gonna ask you. So, for an OP, do you find? And I mean, this is a silly, this is a silly poll question designed to get you off the fence. So, don't take the cop out answer of both. But if you had to pick, right? Which is more important to you about an OP, ah. music or um, the visuals, art, you know, whatever? Like, if you if you had to pick which you sort of care about more, which makes you more invested or more likely to watch it? Because And there are more... Important to you could mean different things. Like, important to you could mean, like, it has to, like, tell me something about the show or it just has to keep me engaged or be fun. Like, there's a lot of different ways you could parse it. Well, uh, having fought on this for all of approximately ten seconds, yep, I'm gonna, that's what I want. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the Molotov cocktail out there and really anger the Sakaga fans in the audience by saying it's the music that I want. Me I'll too. Tell you, I will tell you why because I, I had a think on this right. You could have a visually interesting, a really really great OP that tells you a lot about the characters, like like this one does, because it because it does. You know, we've got a lot of things going on here with various uh, characters we know, like, and we've got hints of things to come. Um, but if your music is uninteresting and dull, it just completely saps all the energy out of it. And bear in mind, you're going to be seeing this week on week on week on week. So once you've passed the details first time around from an OP, unless they do something like in Given's case, where they added Yuki's face in at a certain point, or other OPs where they make small changes or little things like that, um, you really need to have a memorable song to get you in hype for the show, I think, every every time, week on week. Not to say you won't be hyped for it necessarily anyway, but I do think that that is probably the key thing here, because it's the re- repetition 
that you're going to have to handle the most. And nothing will bore an audience more, in my opinion, getting into a show or make them want to, you know, click the skip intro button on Netflix than having a boring oh, song. Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems paradoxic. Paradoxical, actually, I think is the right word. It seems paradoxical because you're watching the thing. But yeah, for that that 90 seconds, like I want, I, I want the music to grab me. I mean, at least the way that I consume it, and this is probably speaks ill of my attention span, like you were saying of the Netflix viewer, like if the OP is the song is bland, like after I've kind of seen the video once, mm-hmm. I'll just like check my phone or, you know, get on Twitter or whatever for a couple minutes. And, but like, if the song is good, I don't know. I'm just there. I'm there. Like, I mean, I mean, let's go. Let's go back through the shows we've covered on Stream of Thought recently this year. So let's start with our previous one, Sarah's Am I. Mm-hmm. That opening was fantastic. It had. It was just full of energy and verve. Like it really got you pumped for it. Yeah. Like that was great. Uh, Promise Neverland, s- slow burn, start up to it, but then it really, really kicks off like towards mm-hmm. the end. Um. And it's got a sense of triumph at the end of it, which is, of course, emblematic of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, banana Fish. Going, yeah, both of Banana Fish Girl, OPs were great. They were so and, good. And, and Banana Fish also does something I think is quite noteworthy with its OPs, that, or at least is something that I think is good to do if you can do it, which is that the mood of the OPs changed to fit the tone of the show, because mm. I apologize, by the way, for spoiling last time, so I'll refrain from doing so again. Um, but of course... Really horrible shit happens in the first half of Banana Fish. No surprises there. Um, and obviously the first one's like got this much more energetic, like, you know, like crime tempo to it, like mm-hmm. if you want to call it that kind of thing. The second one is more mournful. Like it's got that kind mm. of like, you know, I wish I was elsewhere kind of vibe to if it. You're right. It's a great song, but it reflects the change in the mood and the tone and the events that have happened throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to bring this back to Vinland, Mukanjo, the, you know, the first half, Great set, great set. What we need is a similar thing to Banana Fish's second OP, in my opinion, where it is more mournful. Where it's like, you know, reflective of like just how wasteful all of this warfare is and the damage it's done to the various individuals, three of which we're going to cover in this very episode. Uh, one of which mm-hmm. we, of course, covered a lot before, one, and two of which have now got new lights on them. That, to me, is what they should have gone with. Something more slow, more moody, more atmospheric, mm. as opposed to... Well, I'm just going to shuffle on my A and O. Oh, Spotify <laughs> playlist. Let's go. The <laughs> Jack FM. Just, we caught oh, this exactly. off the airways. Yeah, I, I'm honestly surprised the word banjo music <laughs> played over this because honestly, <laughs> I think that would make it better, even though it's still bad. It would be. Thank you. That was that's incredible that you just did that. Um, it, it's really hard to top that last OP for capturing like especially like the final seconds of it i think we're just like i can't even describe how awesome like the, when the music kind of fades out and it's just the lead singer screaming and mm-hmm. you have thorfinn alone on a rock screen like that yeah, it's like yeah it fits it's so the powerful <laughs> it's yeah so good that, that that's i mean as you said like you know one or the other being real here, you really want to have a good mixture of both where they play off each other and, like, intertwine, mm-hmm. as they did in that case. Uh, here... <sighs> yeah, get some, in fact, Sophie's right. Let's get some Calmeron or something like that. Let's get some, like, Swedish black metal. I would totally be in for that. Yeah. All right. 
So, moving away from the OP, we catch up with our old friend, you know, uh, King Saiyan doing his usual thing of sitting on the throne, you know, uh, chatting with Floki about, like, what's going on, and heavy indeed is the head that wears the CG crown. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't, again, I think it's just to, you know, have his tune back in with the fact that he's still around. But that mm-hmm. being said, Saiyan's appearance is now going to be more meaningful now that we get to hear some of Knut's own backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, which we will be discussing in great detail later, no doubt. But anyway, uh, we now return to Vinland Saga, already in progress, and, you know, when the horse, you know, said, you know, was asked, hey, are you, do you want to die? He, of course, said nay, but no one listened to him. Oh, he got shot God. three times in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but things don't break out into a fight as previously thought. Uh, we get approached by who I think is Bruno Bucarassi's, like, you know, ancestor with that bull haircut. <laughs> it's like, it is... So many times for no good reason. I mean, maybe it was a popular haircut. I don't know. And you do research and you see, oh, look at these, the drawings of these people. They have these haircuts. But like in a lot of video games and anime, if they're set in, you know, the Middle Ages or adjacent. Someone is mm-hmm. going to have that stupid haircut. <laughs> it's so bad. The The Prince Valiant <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't as well dressed as Bruno, though, to be fair. Uh, but he does have a very good JoJo's name, which is, of course, Asa. Oh, it's incredible. It's, it I mean, really is. I mean, I mean, I have to ask, like, <laughs> be- between him and, you know, Gracianus, like, who do you think was more the butt of the joke? Oh. <laughs> I am a king of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you are physically hurt by that. <laughs> Please shut this show down. <laughs> You're the one in charge. You could kill it any time you want. You could you could you could cut to technical mm. difficulties whenever you like. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, dear. So anyway, yeah. Uh Asa comes up and is like, you know, what are you doing here? Like, you know, we're not having any of this. Um, Askeladd tells his men to stand down and not fight back because they're just trying to, like, you know, look tough. And uh, he, um, he, like, Asser actually wants to capture Canute and use him as a shield. Like, because Canute's the whole reason all of them are here, pretty much. Um, this is the point in which uh, Askeladd brings Canute forward to make a rallying, stirring speech for the men, you know, to prove that he's the big, like, you know, swinging dick around here. And, well, given what we've all seen of Canute thus far, he, of course, completely bottles it and just hides behind Ragnar. Uh, I have to say that I think at various... I think throughout much of this episode, Canute has a facial expression that I don't think I've seen since I last saw an advert for constipation relief. (laughs) He really, really looks like he's in deep, deep intestinal pain. Poor kid. He is very tense. Uh, Yeah. He is super fucking tense. Um, so he ends up hiding behind Ragnar when Askeladd tries to push him to do that. Uh, but Askeladd, rightly in my opinion, points out that, you know, like, you need to nut up, kid. Uh, you need to, you know, prove yourself. Well, this is the point where Ragnar chips in and says, you know nothing of the prince. What are you talking about? Uh, who are you? In particular, as a line that I will come back to later as a talking point because I found this very interesting. You have no place to say, like, you know, how, 
like to control him or say what he should and should not do, which I'm paraphrasing there. But yeah, keep that line in mind because I found that very, very important. Nonetheless, though, Ragnar now... I have to admit, like, this all happens, like, while everyone's watching, like, you know, on this battlefield thing, like, on the hills. Uh, <clears throat> oh, by the way, <clears throat> before I forget, lovely little bit of subtle irony in this episode here, and indeed with this whole scenario, because if you might recall, when Fors was killed, how did Askeladd do it? By ambushing him on over hills and cliffs with archers, mm -hmm. and now he's getting the taste of his own medicine here. Whoops. Funny how that works out, isn't mm -hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems much anyway, more prepared. This is, yeah, then, uh, this is true. This is true. Then, then uh, Thor's unfortunate like boat of children and you know a couple of old people. <laughs> this is very true. Um, but yeah, we get a bit of Canute's backstory here, which is that basically Canute has lived in a Game of Thrones episode his entire life. Like most of his siblings have been murdered or hacked apart at various points. Uh, he himself has just had to stay very, like, you know, under the radar in order mm -hmm. to just survive, to not be noticed. And that in itself pretty much adequately, if not completely, explains his character. Like, if you've spent your entire life keeping your mouth shut and your head down for fear of, well, losing said head, no surprise here that he can't suddenly, in front of how many, many people, with their lives riding on his words, actually say anything. You know, yeah. it's not, not reasonable for him to, you know, react that way. Didn't you um, want to just tell the like, the killer in the flashback like, they're dead. You can s stop, mm. stop chopping, stop swinging the axe. <laughs> they're, uh, they're dead. He was just, he was just being really, really thorough. Like you know, it's so dramatic. He was Winston Wolfing it. You know, he wanted to clean up after himself. Um, but anyway, uh, so Askeladd's like, all right, fine. For fuck's sake, I'll sort this shit myself. Again. Um, so he's got a plan in mind with Gratianus, um, and they're going to go and speak to Asta about it. Um, a couple of things to note, by the way. Uh, Thorfinn takes one look at uh, Canute and just, like, utterly, utterly dumps on him. Um, I can't remember the exact words off the top of my head, but, like, you know, I think, like, calls him a coward, perhaps, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like, it's like, really I can't believe we're the same age. <laughs> you're such you're such a loser. That yes. was it, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. such a loser. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition, there's a really... I'm not going to... Shut up! Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, you. <laughs> I am Robert, and you a clue. Your mom. Uh. <laughs> oh, don't say yeah, that don't to Thorfinn. That would be bad. Oh, God, he, he, would, he would have he would have stabbed him. Mm -hmm. Like... One knife, one eye, like... Ah. Not have gone well. No. Um, there's, a, I, there's a shot here, by the way, that I want to point out, not as a full talking point, but just because I found it really, really interesting. Um, Gracianus makes the very correct assumption because right, that, about Ragnar's behaviour was too, that the chick must someday leave the nest, mm -hmm. uh, which we will cover later when we talk about Ragnar and how he has looked after Canute for good and for bad. But I really, really appreciate this little detail where you're looking over Gratianus' shoulder on the left-hand side of the frame and you can see Ragnar and Canute. But as that happens, as he's seeing this line, it pans right and you'll note that Thorfinn is walking away as well. But as this pan happens, Askeladd enters the frame. You okay. see the parallels here. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, like, I think that, like, compared to Given on a whole, like, again, without elaborating on too much since we're still in plot summary, I don't think that, like, 
this show, like Finland Saga, has exhibited the same level of technical competence or, fide- or visual fidelity that Given has yeah. with certain directional choices. And indeed, I've criticized certain like flubs they've made animation-wise, where they've just basically inserted like you know cardboard cutouts and backgrounds and whatnot. Um, but that I still think was a really, really nice touch. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but nonetheless, you know, art is one of those things where you can always infer meaning if it wasn't necessarily intended. And I certainly got, I mean. Well, the, the comparisons between Forfin and Canute will only get more acute as we go along, I suspect. But anyway. 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 Uh, so after after that, uh, Asa, Gracianus, and Asglad are all on top of this hill discussing what the, you know, the plan is, what they're going to do. Like, what ultimately can Asglad, who, bear in mind, is normally a pirate, and now he's acting as a diplomatic mouthpiece for the Prince of, of Denmark... Like, what are, what, you know, strange bedfellows, like, you know, mm-hmm. walk and make it people. Uh, what can he ultimately offer to Asa, uh, who himself, like, you know, is the, the general or lord of a small Welsh kingdom? Good luck with that. Sue! Uh, a barber. We will a, trade you well, a barber. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be a good idea. Uh, Bjorn, by the way, is watching this, uh, and uh, I don't recall the name of Bjorn's like friend. He's been a recurring character. We've seen him a few times, mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna you know call him like Bjorn's pal or whatever you know. Uh, is is bromance whatever? No, his bromance is really more of Askeladd. But anyway, uh, he's like you know what's going on here? This is daft. Isn't Askeladd a weird guy? And Bjorn like immediately leaps into his defense like you you don't know shit. Shut up. Uh, but Bjorn also reveals that I don't know actually very much about Askeladd at all. Uh, Apart from the fact that he's from Denmark, which, funnily enough, as we will learn imminently, is only a half-truth in itself, yep. if even that. Mm-hmm. So even Bjorn, like, the one thing that he does know that doesn't involve mushrooms is technically wrong. Yeah. Right. See, it's funny. Uh, I, I took a, a... I think something slightly different away. I mean, uh, maybe we took the same thing away, but um, that scene, uh, it it has sort of a funny moment in it, but, like, I thought that the point of it was to show that Bjorn, um, maybe his faith in Askeladd is not necessarily shaken, but if it was going to be in the future, this could be like the beginnings of that, like the cracks in the foundation mm. where, you know, he's oh, yeah, like, I, I, he doesn't trust me enough to tell me this, you know, like, and the other guy's like, I don't care. Like he pays me. And yeah, well, I think the, the impression I got was that he was telling him to like, you know, shut up or not be a stupid, not be an idiot by making these comments because mm-hmm. he was jumping to Asclad's defense. Like, I mean, they, you know, Asclad's done them right so far, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Like, they've lived a fairly comfortable life, uh, you know, pillaging, murdering, raping, and all those other wholesome activities that people like them get up to in those times. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Anyway, so Asclad, Asa, and Gracianus, you know, they're just sit up there shooting the shit. Uh, and this is where the big reveal happens. Um, it turns out that they're trading Asclad Pokemon. Actually... <laughs> that's what they're doing on the hill. <laughs> that's the Pokestop on the hill. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're like, all right, everyone, get the raid. everyone <laughs> back five times as as far as you are now, because we need to make some secret deals. Okay, we you need to give me some really powerful water types because this guy in my tribe As- has a fire <laughs> and he's kicking my ass. <laughs> Asgard just brings up a big shiny chest, and of course, Asa thinks it's full of gold, but it's really just full of shiny Charizards <laughs> and cards. Like, grade yeah. 10, motherfucker! And, and oh. Gratianus is like, I have the Mewtwo. Let us barter. <laughs> Damn! 
son. Damn. <laughs> but no, uh, Asgard secretly is not a member of the Elite Four. He is actually, as it turns out, half Welsh. And this is where his history is elaborated on. So, uh, he mentioned previously that he was the son of Olaf, but also the son of Lydia. Mm-hmm. So, mum and dad. Who are Olaf and Lydia, you might wonder. He reveals that Olaf was a conquering uh, Danish hero, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. uh, who came and plundered Wales. Uh, and resultantly took Lydia, um, Asgard puts it dif- very diplomatically as his concubine. I am probably going to suspect that it was nowhere near as uh, consensual as that a term, no. even as ill-fitting as that is, probably implies. We saw Yikes. we saw how she ended up. And uh, did, yep. doesn't he say like she like slept in the stables or something? Like, I mean, it just... Some, something like that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, basically, Askeladd is the, you know, he is the result of, well, ironically, the very thing that he himself perpetuates. Mm. But, well, we will get into that soon enough, because that's going to be another talking point I want to bring up. But, yeah, he is basically banking on his half-Welsh heritage, but also the fact that Olaf himself was a descendant of Artorias, who we mentioned previously. Uh, No, not, of course, the, uh, you know... Not, of course, the female, you know, uh, chick from Fate Grand Order. Yeah, or the Dark Souls character. <laughs> nope. Not, neither, neither of those, I'm afraid. We're not crossing our cannons too much Not one of Gwen's right men, no. This is, uh, as you said, this is uh, King Arthur. Like, uh, the, the real person that supposedly the legends were based on was Artorias. Not of the Indeed. Abyss, but of... Camelot. Wales. Oh, no, yeah, Camelot. Yeah, <laughs> Britannia, like Roman Britannia or something like that. Yeah, old Britannia. I don't know. Yeah, but if the, he was the leader of the Britannian army at the time uh, for Rome. Uh, so he's banking on his history there, um, but also his Welsh heritage. So irony of ironies, like he's actually using both sides like to make an argument. Like, I know where my heart is and where my country is, but look at, look at how boss my dad and his dad before him and all the dads before them were. Uh, and he makes an offer to us, which goes like this. I basically have the prince down there. And I, you know, as you, you say yourself, like, you know, as us Danes, we violated non-aggression pacts three times before. So any future one we get written up between Wales and, Den- and Denmark isn't worth the fucking paper it's written on. I get that. That's cool. But I know where my loyalty lies. And it sure as hell isn't with, Dan- with Denmark. It's with Wales. I hate the Danes. But <sighs> I, I can mingle with them which ties in with the line he said earlier that, you know, even a wolf sometimes must wear, you know, sorry, a sheep must wear the skin of a wolf to graze. Yeah. And that's certainly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he makes that offer. Uh, and As is like initially like very impressed by this, like, whoo, whoo, <laughs> Askeladd, Askeladd, like what's heavier, your armor or your big brass balls? <laughs> well done, lad. Yeah. Uh, but he has, a, he has a point to make, which is like, well, why should I believe you? And Asgard says, because you should. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. the plan, uh, which I didn't properly elaborate on, by the way, is that he, Asgard is essentially going to, you know, lean on Canute to get that non-aggression pact signed, mm-hmm. which will in turn give, you know, him and his men sanctuary and basically allow them to escape Farkel, who isn't in this episode, sadly. So uh, half a point off for that, but well, you know. We can't have too much for Kel, you know. Too much for a good thing can turn you off. Exactly. Eventually. Yeah, we got to ration him out uh, appropriately for most efficient hives. And uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, Askeladd, well, he's like, you know what? I'll uh, I'll have myself a high position in the cabinet, so I can get this mm-hmm. done for you. 
Mr. Yep. Volker. Yep. And again, just to remind you all, like Askeladd, all he previously did was just plunder villages for shits and giggles, and now he's running this, like, you know, chess master shit. Like, what does he think he is? Fucking little thing. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but he's doing it. I mean, yeah. if nothing else, Askeladd has proved himself a quite cunning man. Um, so the plan goes thusly that all of Askeladd's men will disarm themselves, uh, which seems almost suicidal, but again, his men trust him and are willing to can do I ask that. You, can then, I ask you a question? Wait, Yes. Oh, just just as uh, before, really too much. Uh, uh, so why, why is he doing this? Do you mean disarming or just in oh, general? Oh no, I'm sorry. Why is uh, why is Askeladd doing this? Well, uh, well. Do you want to save that for a talk? Do you want to go into? Oh no, I just thought like um, we we can we can go into it uh later if you want to. I just thought it was worth worth mentioning even now that like. Because it's weird, like, if without like the reason, like, why, what, why does he care about whale? But it's because like he loves whales, like, you know, and he's like, I, I won't allow them to like touch one blade of grass in this country, and uh, just like, wow, this passion for Mascalad, <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, it's yeah, but even then, you might ask yourself, is he necessarily genuine or is he just that's a great point? That's how a great point. how? F- I mean, you know. It's a very convincing, you know, lie if it is one nonetheless, but at the same time, like, you know, if it's what keeps him alive and gets him to safety, given that, you know, you've got Battleship playing extraordinaire for Kel right behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I apologize, Master Kessel. Uh, thank you for clarifying on that. No, it was actually Lydia who had the blood of Artorius. Okay, okay, yeah. Because yeah. it would be... This is what... <laughs> no, I really should have gone, no. ancestry... really gone on Ancestry.com and double-checked that. <laughs> exactly. Just make just make sure I get it right. But no, thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate it. Thank you. It. Thank you. Um, so yeah, um, that's the jig, and he's gonna you know disarm his men and just they will be taken as prisoners, quote unquote, which will give them you know asylum, sanctuary, or whatever you want to call it. So this leads to Ragnar getting very indignant because I says like, no, fuck you, you don't do, I don't do what you tell me, you know, uh, I'm not disarming, um, and Norris and Norris forfeiting for that matter, forfeiting is having none of it, um. This, you know, leads them eventually, you know, keeping their weapons. Askeladd capitulates, but it also reveals the nature of Askeladd and Thorfinn's relationship to Ragnar. He's like, listen, Conet, and clearly, you know, I didn't realize, I didn't realize Thorfinn had also seen Alien Nation. I thought I was the only one who was going to make that joke, but there we go. I'm glad, I'm glad everyone recognize, yeah. recognizes Ragnar for the alien that he is. It must be a very so, conically shaped head for him to not have the pop culture reference and also still refer to him as Conehead. <laughs> Must be a real bitch finding a tailored hat for him. I must I say. I know. I know. That's why he never wears a hat. Do you reckon? Do you reckon at Christmas, like when he was much younger, Canute put like those tiny little stars on the top of Christmas trees on his head? I hope so. I hope. Or maybe a little angel. <laughs> I hope that they do. Like, yeah. So, did they talk about Christmas in the show already? No. Well, he's a Christian, though. To be fair, do they call it Yule or something like that? I don't know. I think they have done. Yes, I think it might have been a. Ilya, who uh, mentioned it mm-hmm. way back when. Yeah. wonder how she's doing. But I'm sure we'll probably never see her again. Anyway. <clears throat> oh, you're sad, aren't you, about that? You would see Best Girl again, mm-hmm. didn't you? Mm-hmm. I miss her. You need to go. Just just go read some fanfic, man. I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> out there. I just go read the manga. Yeah, you could do that as well, actually, to be fair. Uh, so... Uh, that reveals the nature of their relationship at this point. Uh, but that point, they then, of course, set off again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And Canoe at this point starts like, you know, like he's like you know something like he's a character out of Revenge of the Nerds, like, and so fourth in like with the best fucking really, it's so really. good, it's really good. Yeah, like he's got the best. I could not give less of a fuck what you have to say, Princey. You know, you you could literally be telling me right now where to find a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. And I could not give less of a shit. It's such a great expression for Thorfinn. I'll give him that much. Um, But, like, Thorfinn basically, you know, calls him out on all this. Like, you know, like, spit it out, you know. Say what you want to say. And if I recall correctly, Canute says, I'm a coward. Which he actually then corrects and says, no, I'm actually cautious. Yeah, he's. I think he says, yeah, that he's not. He's just... Very, very, very cautious because his words have all this weight, and he mm-hmm. he answers to his dad, and he he doesn't want to like make him feel too good or make him feel too bad, so he just is quiet, and it's not because he's afraid, goddamn it, mm-hmm. not at all. I'm, I'm actually just oh no, he does say I'm a coward. Actually, oh okay, and I want to make note that specifically because again, Thank that'll you. be something I want to talk about later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but no, um, this, by the way, is following the point in which some of the Welsh locals are actually watching the caravan go down the road, and there seems to be like a possible threat of violence outbreaking because they like hate the Danes and want to start throwing stones at them. Um, and Canute, of course, being anxious as he is, and obviously dressed like someone of importance, he's obviously he's not like how forth in his dress, for example, who could be anybody. Like he sticks out like a sore foot. Right. Uh, he's very nervous, so. Thorfinn, of course, calls him out on his nervousness, and that's when Canute leads in by saying, you know, uh, that I'm a coward, but no, I'm actually cautious. I know that my words carry a lot of weight. I can't promise this non-aggression treaty uh, will be said, etc., etc. Thorfinn continues to, like, basically rip him into him, uh, and this leads to an outburst from Canute where he's basically leaning over and points him, and Thorfinn, of course, like, you know, but wouldn't fucking melt. He could not care less. But what's really interesting, of course, is Canute saying, like, no one has ever spoken to me like this before. I will not tolerate this shit from you. Uh, which is very, very important and I think is a starting point for what is going to be his character arc here. Bearing in mind everything else we've said before about how he's been treated and possibly even coddled by mm-hmm. Ragnar, for example. It's all very so, yeah, intriguing. He's, so he's having none of that. But then eventually, of course, we get to the ending montage, which does indeed look like he's signing the treaty. Uh, yeah. Followed by the first snows of winter coming in. Um, Yuki. Oh no, not again. <laughs> it's all happening again. No. Uh, leading, leading also to the uh, group diverting along to a new path. Uh, a fork in the road, if you will. It's a symbolism. Askeladd is changing course in the the midway point of the journey. People are grumbling. Symbolism. No, he just finally decided to use Google Maps so he didn't get lost. <laughs> just flipped boop, a boop, coin. Boop, 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 That's boop, boop, boop. it. <laughs> and that otherwise There's is the a slowdown. <laughs> Please take the next right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is a band of uh, rampaging uh, Vikings in your area. Please avoid. It's like speed camera warning. There's a four carriage pileup causing a 40 minute delay. <laughs> So, uh, that otherwise is the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've got a lot to talk about here, mm-hmm. actually, because, um, but I want to actually start by just pointing something out that I find really interesting. So, I want to ask you, and indeed the people in the audience here, an open question. It might seem like an obvious one, but just roll it beyond this. 
how do you develop a character in a story? Like, the, like what do you do? What do you show to the audience? I know this is very broad and very open, so just say whatever comes to mind. Well, you, I think, need to show their strengths and weaknesses. You mm-hmm. need to, they need to be likable. They need to have some goals. They need, uh, a foil would be nice, but it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, in addition to the large epic moments, the, the small moments sort of help those pay off. Mm-hmm. Those things come to mind. Am I am I touching on what you what you had in mind? It's sort of. Um, but to boil it down a bit more, when I've talked about stories previously, there are two levels on which they tend to operate, which is micro and macro. So your micros, uh, to not, again, belabor the point too much, uh, is like individual character moments, like very small scale stuff. Macro is like wider level. So in Vinland Saga, your micro stuff is like, you know, character interactions with like, say, Askeladd, and uh, Thorfinn, whereas the macro is like the whole war that's going on. Mm -hmm. That's the wider context. But this also works, I think, for character development because there are two ways, in my opinion, that if you boil it down to its basics before we even talk about strengths and weaknesses that you can develop a character. The first of which is to keep it internal or very micro, which in we've seen before on the show with, for example, Thorfinn's dreams of Vinland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the conflicts he feels like, you know, over his father's advice versus what he wants to do, which is, you know, murder the fuck out of Askeladd. But there's another way of doing it. And I think this is made, when I said before about how you see things in a new light, mm-hmm. I think this has made me realize what I've probably not been paying as much attention to as I should have been, which is by comparing and contrasting characters with each other and seeing where they have commonalities, but also differences. And there are three characters who get focused in this episode, one of which to the lesser extent than the others, which is also, again, still a bit of a problem given they're the main character, by which I, of course, mm-hmm. referring to Florfin, mm-hmm. and the other two are obviously Askeladd and Canute. But all three of them share certain commonalities. Uh, I mean, the visual one between Askeladd uh, and Thorfinn is immediate when we see that at the start. But think about their origins. Like, like Askeladd is the product of a campaign of war, pillage, more than likely rape. Like, you know, he was not conceived in peacetime. And he certainly, I would say, been molded by it since then. Because look at his behaviour. Everything Askeladd has done throughout the show's run, never mind what he's done off screen, is arguably what his dad did. Just, you know, not to Wales, because he wouldn't do it to Wales, but everywhere else is fair pickings for him. And also probably not even for a government that, like, you know, Askeladd's been doing it for his own means, like, you know. So, there's that. But then think, of course, what's happened to Thorfinn. Thorfinn, like, was only, what, eight? Ten? Mm-hmm. If you had to go with that when he was that? I would argue, like, that you... You can certainly say that there's, you know, characteristics that he's developed at that point, but he's still growing up, mm-hmm. you know? So I would say that even though, obviously, he already had been conceived, Thorfinn, as we know him now, was conceived in the same circumstances as Askeladd in terms of becoming that kind of person, defined by a life, well, pretty much a lifelong, you know, involvement in warfare and bloodshed. Mm-hmm. And so for all that, like, you know, Askeladd, which I'm going to now lead into... He seems to really actually have an undercurrent of hate for Olaf. He'll, like, you know, use Olaf's, like, heritage, like his Danish heritage, as a mechanism to give him influence over Canute and get him into that position. But he holds no love for the country Mm -hmm. or the people. It's Wales he's after. Yeah. 
So, how interesting and hypocritical of him yeah. to think, you know, yeah. I I hate what the Danish did to, you know, Wales. I hate what he did to my mother. After all, he carried her back to Wales at, when he was 14 or whatever, and she was dying. I think it's pretty clear where his, like, who his favourite parent was, if I may be so honest. Yeah. Like, you know, and what he ultimately felt of all of this. Mm-hmm. But he's just perpetuating it. And we go back again to, of course, what we said before about cycles in this show. Yeah. It's building back up on it again. Yeah, we're missing some some information. Um, right, because... Yeah, I mean, did he... It's interesting, like... Has this been his plan all along, like to somehow kind of give back to Wales or use the Danes to uh, put Wales in a better position and safeguard them? Or did he kind of give up on all that and like sink into this debaucherous life of a mercenary? And then suddenly he's presented with a chance and he takes it. Or has he been working toward this? Um and just kind of, as a lot of times is the case, when a person has a dream, sort of the steps to get there and people you step mm-hmm. on doing it, it's like people are blind to it. You know what I mean? They just don't even think about that they're they're causing those same circumstances. I mean, think about, think about Forth in himself in one of the earlier episodes where he, of course, was taken by that Christian woman. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Younger, younger Forth in if he were there watching that happen, would have been horrified at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the descent into doing that kind of murderous, like, you know, heinous shit, it's a slow one. But it's so slow, you probably don't notice it. Yep. That's a good point. And, uh, and it's especially true if you're also fueled by certain feelings. Like, we don't, of course, know much about Askeladd's childhood, but he, like, literally carried his mother back to shore, so he must have been elsewhere. He can't have been in Wales at that time probably in Denmark with his father, probably being dragged around from battlefield to battlefield in not too dissimilar way as Thorfinn again. Which I think lends credence to the case that either the whole time or almost the whole time, Askeladd has given a shit about Thorfinn. He's putting up a front that he doesn't care. And he want you know what I mean? Like he, he obviously sees a lot of himself in this kid. Hmm. Do you reckon the series will go full in on that then? Because I wonder. I mean, let's not make, let's not, you know, forget here. Askeladd, at the very least, killed his father for gold. Mm-hmm. Dick move. Real, real, real dick move, if I may say so myself. Oh, foul. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. But on top of that, see all the other things that he's done and all the implications thereof. I mean, the the anime, as we know from uh, sources like Blinkaji, shout out to Blinkaji, uh, you know, and others, have promised to us that certain of the more grisly elements that Askeladd's group get up to, like raping a woman in the stables where Thorfinn was sleeping, that's omitted from the anime. But even then, we can interpret, or at least, you know, get the idea that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can infer it, certainly. So he's culp- he is culpable for so much misery, so much suffering, death, destruction, all all that stuff. So it's in. I'm just very curious how the show's going to try and work this because can we, in the end, actually sympathise with him? 
I'm gonna. That's gonna be a real big ask mm-hmm. of the lad. Aha, aha. Sorry, had to do that. Um, that's gonna be a real big the absolute ask. lad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Do you, re- do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon in fandom that like you know his younger version is Ask a Kid? You cut out there for a second. What I missed. Do you, re- do you reckon? Do you reckon in fandom for Vinland Saga, uh, Askeladd's younger self is referred to as Ask a Kid? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm very curious to see like how they're going to handle that because for me, like when it comes to villains, like in in fiction. You don't need to, or often don't want to make them, uh, you know, sympathetic, because then they become the protagonists. Like, well, when I say sympathetic, I mean, like, as in, like, we should approve of their actions, because obviously then they wouldn't be villains anymore. Mm-hmm. But rather, what I would always ask of a good show or a good story is that it makes its villains understandable, that we can see why they got from being, in a previous point in their lives, to doing the awful things that they do now. Because... In fiction, like, you know, saying your characters are good or evil doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. All characters in their own minds are in the right. So there you go. And certainly a lot of, like, you know, Askeladd's attitudes, like, seem to be, you know, again, that kind of cyclic thing which have come down from his father and his own bitterness towards the Danes. Mm-hmm. Like, caught between, like, you know, a country he couldn't go back to and one that actively produced the situation he's in. Is any wonder he just went around, like, you know, pillaging and plundering? Again, not to excuse his actions, certainly, but only to understand them. And that's why I'm glad we're getting this now, because we're getting more layers to him, which makes him much more interesting to talk about, as opposed to simply, well, being pirate. You know? Mm. Yeah. He's got more to him. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's all... I think I I see myself feeling for the guy. I mean, like, if next episode, and it's probably not going to happen next episode, but if next episode we have the duel and Thorfinn kills him and, you know, he says something, whatever, it's probably going to be some asshole-ish thing to Thorfinn. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I will feel something. Because I've spent time with this character and I feel like I know this character to a degree and like he's a bad person but still a person and a lot of shit has happened to him that, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, I I think it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, although, you know, Thorfinn wants to kill him, it's hard to say Mm. like he's the antagonist in the show. I don't know if well, I would call him that. I, I don't think there really is an antagonist, so to speak. It's just war. Shit. War is the antagonist. War, war is shit. Yeah, <laughs> war is war sucks. Um, so, yeah, I I am with you on that. I, in fact, like I of course don't know how the rest of the show's gonna go, but if they had that duel, let's let's just speculate here. Let's just put on our speculating hats, uh, if only to cover up the shiny forehead I've got. Um, Let's say they have that duel, mm-hmm. and let's say Thorfinn disarms him, and like, let's say, just throw out there, he wounds Asgard to the point where Asgard has fallen to the ground, and he is at Thorfinn's mercy. Would you agree with me if I said to you, I reckon Thorfinn would make for the killing blow, but then wouldn't do it? He would find some kind of thing like that would hold him back. Yeah, and it and it could be a mixture of things. It could be his father's own words, mm-hmm. or it could be like you know the realization of like you know. He's too close to Asgard now to be able to truly do that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 
I think I think you hit it right on the head. I think it will be a mix of those things and a like a sense of once I do this, wherever down the dark path will you? Tr- no, well, sorry. There- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, God damn it! It will dominate uh, your destiny. It will dominate your destiny. No, no, <laughs> forever down the dark path. Uh, no, I. It would be like um, more of a like, where do I belong? Like, what's the mm-hmm. purpose of my life anymore? Not no. Well, those are different ones. Or like, like my life's goal will be accomplished. What then? I don't know if you think about that in the moment or whatever. But like, you might think of like, where am I going to sleep tonight? You know, if I kill Asklad, there's no way I can stay in this band of mercenaries. Like, where do I go? I think they would. I think they would let him stay actually, um, because it would be a duel, an honorable duel. It wouldn't be like he murdered him in cold blood. You know, there's there's rules and etiquette around that. I think they'd all be. I'm less. Uh, do you know? Uh-huh. Well, I'm less sure only because um, they are a band of mercs, not a sort of band of knights, and they care about the money. And Askeladd brought in the money. And knew how to get the that connect for mm. the gold. And I don't know if Bjorn they would trust Bjorn. Who knows? I I don't know if it, they might not do it right away. But I'm not sure it would be ultimately well received. But mm. I, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know. Mm. Indeed, there's a lot of complicated interpersonal uh, re- politics and relationships here. Um, if I may, just quickly interject as well. Um, we have had a question for one of our patrons, Blinkaji, uh, about um, Bjorn's comments on Askeladd and also how that goes along with Askeladd's backstory and reframing their relationship. So I think this is probably a good time as any for us to actually discuss that. Okay. And I think that for Bjorn, like Bjorn to me, I'd say he's simple. And I'm not saying mentally. I'm talking as in like he's just uncomplicated. He sees mm-hmm. things very, you know, black and white, no fat, no nonsense, no fuss. And my understanding of him, as we've seen in the show, is this, right? He trusts Askeladd implicitly, but he knows very little about him in his history, uh, mm-hmm. even though, as Bjorn says, they've been together for decades. But they've been together for decades. The results speak for themselves. They are still alive in this age of bloody warfare, uh, and they profited well from it. Stuff, that, of course, I don't agree with, but nonetheless, from Bjorn's perspective, like, you know, he's had all the mushrooms he could ever eat. That's great. So I think that in Bjorn's case, like, you know, even if he were to learn of Askeladd's history and his ancestry, I don't think that would change his perception of him one bit. I think it would merely serve to, as a, you know, oh, that's neat and whatever, but you're the person I've always known you to be based on what you've done and your performance. But I think also it speaks to Askeladd's own, you know, perhaps reluctance to even display his heritage openly one way or another. Mm-hmm. Because bear in mind, they're mercenaries. Like, all those pirates could come from different stretches of all different coastlines and countries. Like, if you told me, for example, there were some Franks in Ascalad's group, I'd believe that. Uh, or even some English. Mm-hmm. Well, this this leads me to pose this question. So, mm-hmm. before this episode, we only considered Ascalad to be focused on mostly gold, mostly material possessions, Mm-hmm. But it turns out he's actually quite a patriot. He has a lot of love for his mm-hmm. homeland. Uh, perhaps there are a lot of folks like that in his mercenary band. If he were to reveal that he does not, that he's not Danish, 
uh, or he doesn't care for the Danes, maybe that would sort of create some mistrust. They'd be like, what? Yeah. You know, or, we love Denmark. It's the greatest. How dare you? Or, if I may pose another perspective, possibly he's ashamed of it. Because mm. he is technically a bastard child, like of, mm-hmm. you know, that was, well, from all the hints we've got, conceived, you know, through warfare, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something he's not ultimately proud of. Yeah. It, ma- it mattered a I lot mean, back then. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, his attitude towards the Danish in general as presented this episode versus his attitude towards the Welsh. Mm-hmm. Like, he clearly, you know, finds his history uh, to be a source of anger for him. Like, you know, a source of, like, a, a, a force that pushes him to do what he does, where he essentially just, well, acts out and becomes a pirate. Yeah. And now, given the opportunity to do something patriotic for his country, he's going to actually use it. And that was, and in response to what you're saying there, like, you know, that's probably why he hasn't done anything up to this point, because what can one do until they have the means to do so? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I wonder if he, I wonder if he likes his, his mercenary band. You know, he seems okay. If he, if he, I mean, he was he was willing to get them beer and such previously. You know, give them <laughs> yeah. full room and board. But he's he's hiding that hatred of Denmark and the Danes, like really deep down. So, like in a deep down place, does he hate like Bjorn for being a part of that? Like, does he consider him tainted with that? And mm-hmm. is that why he hasn't trusted him with his secrets? Because he can't trust be Danes because he hates them. To be fair, Bjorn and the others have been. Willing to fight against the Danish. Um, mm. So that's possible. Um, but it also, you know, but it's also possible, as you say, like, you know, that he could, um, you know, perhaps not care for them after all. Like it's, like Bjorn says, though, we, we, the audience, like, for all that we've been revealed, we still know very little about him, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of layers to this, uh, this, you know, giant prick here. The Welsh yeah. are like onions. <laughs> Smelly. Layers. Good in pots. They have oh, layers, God. donkey. Layers. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, okay, uh, so I've rambled for a bit, uh, and I, I hope that's a re- good answer or a reasonable answer for your question, Abigaji. Uh, by the way, folks, if you do want to gain questions on Vinland or Sherlock, which we'll be covering soon mm-hmm. uh, as we cover them, uh, why not consider becoming a patron for as little as uh, two dollars per month? Do we know the title okay. of the show yet? <laughs> Is it... I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go with Sherlock and hope that people are you know don't mistake me for referring to the Benedict no, Cumberbatch show. No, no. Which, by the way, I want to say right ahead of time, I really want a scene in this Sherlock anime where he's just doing the <laughs> like that, like the 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 magic like you know Sherlock hand shit the. The one which was just oh, the dumbest shit man, ever. man, that was bad. Yeah, no, we're... It was really bad. We're referring to um, Kabu... Uh, is it Kabuchiko, I think? Kabuchiko no Sherlock. Yes. Or like, case file number 222, Sherlock. Yep. So in other words, we've got to cover 251 seasons before we mm-hmm. get to that. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Fuck! Yep, we've got to get on that uh, this week. <laughs> bloody hell. Oh, dear. All right. So anyway, yeah, I've uh, I've talked to to death on that. But Doc, do you have any other talking points you want to add in? Do you want to throw anything into the pile? Sure. Um, you know, you, you talked about like comparing the characters to each other, and I mean, this episode was that for me, where where I really kind of thought about that, and and the show uh, really brought those comparisons to the fore, and kind of asks you to do that. 
um, which, which I like, uh, which is good. And I thought, you know, we were talking about uh, the the kind of the genesis of Askeladd and Thorfinn and how they were mm-hmm. kind of conceived, uh, so to speak, in the fires of war. They're like um, their adulthood, their their non-childhood parts of their lives uh, and kind of what they what they had to do to survive was some pretty brutal shit, right? Um, mm. The things that they had to sacrifice, like their innocence, their, uh, you know, their feelings, their, you know, Thorfinn's still holding on to his inner child to a degree, but like it's, it's kind of just hanging on by a thread. He's had to really stuff it down and had to kill it. Mm. Um, and they've really dehumanized themselves uh, quite a bit, these two. But it's funny that, you know, when Canute is criticized, Ragnar says like, hey, who are you guys to question this guy? Yes. Think this about line, everything that this, he sacrificed. This line, is, this, is line is very, very telling. You know, he's um, he's had to like stuff down his own heart because all these people were killed in front of him and he had to keep quiet. And he had to blend in and he had to, you know, not stick out in any way to live. And this is a really interesting juxtaposition because a show like this with kind of a a powerful narrative uh, arm could sort of go in two different ways. It could um, lean into the obvious disparity you know, mm-hmm. Thorfinn saying like, ah, you know, fuck you, dude. Like you, you're an embarrassment. You're a coward. You know, you sacrifice. I've sacrificed. You know, let's talk about what happened to me. Uh, and of course, Askeladd, you shown what happened to him. And and Canute mm-hmm. begins to see like, oh, wow. Like, you're so right. Like what I went through was bad, but it was nothing compared to what you guys went through. Or they could give us more information that um, begins to make what Canute went through more of a, like, um, kind of an uneven footing with what the others went through. They could they could really show, like, you know, he had to endure some twisted shit. And, you know, uh, which is all to say that, like, I think that the show is doing a really good job of showing that like war and tragedy in general can have like different effects on different kinds of people. It can churn out people that are broken in like these different kinds of ways. Yeah. We've got our trio of broken people. Yeah. Not, not everybody, you know, Thorfinn is probably the kind of broken that you'd think of like a child soldier, Mm. you know, and everything like that. But, um, we still don't even know how deeply Canute has been affected. If if Ragnar is telling the truth, you know, it could just be mm-hmm. bullshit, and he could just be totally this pampered, sheltered character, but or not, right? He could. I ha- actually would prefer that, and I'll tell you why. Okay, because this goes back to Ragnar's lie. He said, "What place do you have to dictate? You know, what's best for him, mm-hmm. for Canute?" And then my response to that is, "Well, take a look in the fucking mirror, Coned." What gives you the right to dictate that? Because here's here's the thing, right? Like, Canute obviously has a lot of responsibility, I said, as a member of royalty. And don't get me wrong, like, 
on the face value of it, like, you know, at least he hasn't actually been physically harmed or, like, you know, he's certainly traumatized, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I think the show is making an assertion here, and this ties back to what I said about Thor's own, like, you know, very white morality of I won't kill, uh, which is that sometimes there is an element of pragmatism needed. I'm not saying that Canute needs to be, you know, full-on fourth-in murder, murder <laughs> kid, you know, for vengeance and all that. But there is a point somewhere between there where, appropriately, the two of them, contrasted though they are, is like, you know, well, Prince Pauper, etc., you mm-hmm. know, Assassin's Creed versus, like, you know, uh, Civilization Four, or whatever you <laughs> call it, like, very meek. Um, like, the, there's a point between there where I think both characters would find a lot of peace and they'd be able to truly do what they need to do that's best for them. Because Canoe at the moment, like, you know, he can barely stand up for himself. Yeah. Um, and he and obviously there are people relying on him, like, you know, to like in theory, like if he cocks this up here right now, every one of them will die. So he needs to basically grow some balls. Like and I'm not being dismissive of him here by saying that as crass as that sounds, because obviously, like, you know, just from the short scene we had, which was very effective like, he's basically been raised by Ragnar as a father. Mm-hmm. Again, tie that into how Thorfinn has basically been raised by Askeladd after the fact. Yeah. It's all parallels, I tell you. It mm-hmm. all lines up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, will you will you join our cause of uh, shipping Thorfinn and Canute, Shadan? Uh, I don't do shipping, generally speaking. So, uh, I will, I will politely decline. Ship um, Thorfinn that's and Canute. True. That's true, Sophie. In in Civilization series, Gandhi will fuck your shit up. <laughs> he will. He will. He, he like for him, a hunger strike is something he drops from a fucking bomber, <laughs> and it will blow you the fuck up. So don't screw Gandhi into Civilization. Um, will he make war anyway, on you in the game, or will he just? You you can you can totally play Gandhi as a bloodthirsty <laughs> like you know uh, dictator if you wanted to. It's totally possible. Oh my lord. Uh, anyway. Uh, to come back to Canute for a second, though, let's talk about the conversation he has with Thorfinn, and where Thorfinn, like, gives him sass, mm-hmm. talks down to him, treats him like dirt. He cares not one jot for his royalty, his bloodline, what he looks like, well, apart from as, you know, to make jokes of him, like calling him a princess. And Canute reacts, like, you know, very indignantly, like, no, and he says, no one's ever talked this way to me before. Baka. So, Rag- <laughs> Ragnar is obviously, like, you know, clearly coddled him much yeah. in his life. Too much, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, yeah, shitty situation. Understandably, you want to shelter a kid from that kind of violence. But it's left him basically incapable mm-hmm. of doing anything. However, this is the scene, in my opinion, where we start to see Canute change for the better, quote-unquote. And I'll say why in just a moment. Yeah. Um, the first thing I want to really note, by the way, is the line where he says, I'm a coward. Now, there's something very funny about an admission of that nature to me, because in my opinion, I don't think you can truly be a coward if you then admit you are one. Because obviously, you know, you mustn't be afraid enough to at least point that out. Like, admitting you're a coward, like, you know, takes the edge off that a little bit. Mm. Doesn't mean, of course, you're not afraid of, like, you know, other things. But it's certainly, you know, best than never saying you're never admitting you're having the courage to look at yourself and say that. So that's the starting point. You seem skeptical. A little, only only because, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you could be right. I'm just thinking of Samuel Tarley. Do you do you recall Samuel <laughs> Tarley from uh, Song of Ice and Fire? 
Uh, oh, I thought, uh, yeah. Not, not Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. I no. really did no. think that for a moment. That was like, similar. Like, that was a comp- not, not dissimilar sort of characters, uh, actually, but, uh, but no. Samuel Tarly is, uh, uh, he's a sort of a prince, uh, who's been, uh, not a prince, but the, he's highborn, but he's been disowned and sent to the wall because his dad, was annoyed with him like being a coward and interested in music and books and not sword fighting. So he sent him to the wall and basically he'll tell anyone like, I'm Craven, you know, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and uh, he just like owns it. And then, but, and then he just is any chance he gets to be a coward. He is full coward. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I'm sure this is all in service of later on in the story, sort of having him do something quite brave. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's certainly a starting point for him because finally he's being challenged. Like, you know, for a life of, the, of where the two experiences he've had, are, he's seen are of, you know, violence in the court and, you know, being too sheltered. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like it was said in a Frank Herbert's Dune novel uh, of Paul Atreides, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shelter the lad too hard and he'll grow up to be nothing. Paraphrase. Same thing here. So, and but that's again a part of also the cyclic nature of it because this has been thrust on him without his consent mm-hmm. in much the same way how Asgard was conceived, you know, yep. without consent in practically every sense of the word, yep. and also how often certainly didn't, you know, he didn't want his dad to die if he could help it, nor did he want to be put in this awful situation he's in now. So again, we see cycles here, and they affect everyone, be they royal or not. Um, but there's something else to note here. Recall the OP. There's a scene of Canute in there, and he's sat down in the front panel, and he looks super fucking stern in it. I am beginning to wonder, now that he's been challenged by four of him, which, don't get me wrong, like, you know, molly coddling him isn't going to help him, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if everything that's going to happen between from now between them two is going to push Canute too far, and he's going to mm. overshoot that midpoint, and become cruel and capricious, like, you know, like he's gonna see in Forfin like what he needs to be, even though, as we've established, Forfin's current like position in life and who he is is not where he should be in the slightest. Yeah. Nor Askeladd for that matter. He's you know, he's got some bad examples flowing around here now who are willing to challenge him as a person. And he's probably gonna to respond to that by like, well, reacting as he does, but also like, you know, taking them the wrong way. Too far, perhaps. I have the mm. feeling that this is gonna perpetuate that cycle again. But where we've gone from one end of this curve to the other. Do you think he'll hit a, a, a sort of golden midpoint before he goes too far? Do you think there will be there will be some period of like, it worked. We did it. If, it ha- if that happens, it'll be predicated on something that will then be proven false. Like, you know, oh, I believe in Canoe or something like somebody over here's Ragnar said. Or rather, no, here's an idea. What if, you know, like he meets that point but then he overhears Ragnar talking with Askeladd. They don't know it. And Ragnar's like, I've always known him to be a twerp. I've always known he's got no spine. Oh, no, no, the misunderstanding. Yeah. Why are you yeah, writing this? it breaks this? him. No. And it breaks him as a result. Oh, I hate this. I hate this. I can totally see... I can see that happening. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> Just... Oh, misunderstandings are the do you, worst. Do, do, you, do, you, do you hate it because I, I could yeah, be right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course, that's why I hate it. Um, 
I'll pierce my crystal ball oh of anime God. and just uh, this is, ruin everything for You know, fucking uh, yeah. Mason, you know, Vinland Koku here. Like, ah, oh. but, um, yeah, I. it's funny, isn't it, how, uh, you know, unintentionally, I think once again, Thorfinn is sort of like helping Askeladd achieve his goal. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he wants him to be pushed from the nest, and uh, Thorfinn doesn't know, but Thorfinn's doing it. He's helping him. Mm-hmm. And uh, exactly, yeah. I uh, so yeah, I have the feeling that things are going to go downhill a bit here uh, in the future for Port Canute. Uh, it will probably earn him the respects of his peers, perhaps, but it won't be for his benefit as a person or a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, there were apples also in, you know, the, uh, in the OP. And, you know, buying from an apple knowledge and all that. But there's also the other uh, old phrase, the apple falls not far from the tree. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how, and if you right. think of how that applies to our characters, Askeladd basically became a, you know, the sequel album to his father. Mm-hmm. Except worse, arguably, because at least he's not got the justification of doing it for a country. Which paper fit excuse so it is is at least one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Canute, whose father is the most bone idle piece of shit I have seen in anime in quite a while. Uh, I literally <laughs> cannot believe that he has ever stood up in his entire life, dude. Once eat too many, eat, if they eat too many hog roasts, there, King Sirin. If they you know one, one, one too many buckets of chicken wings, you fucking lump of lard, sweet lord. Um, <laughs> if they make him stand up. It's going to be like the greatest moment in the history of animation. <laughs> it's going to take the entirety of that of that one episode, and that's all we're going to see of it. Have you ever seen Space Patrol Luluco? I have not. Um, oh my god. Then I almost don't want to spoil this moment for you. Uh, so, we, so do, do you, are you aware of what Inferno Cop is? How, how could I not be? I recently saw the amazing clip of like, I'm immune to your bullets. So am I. <laughs> no. So. And honestly, honestly, that feels like it was written by an eight year old. And I say that in the best way possible. It's like when you see those Twitter accounts of kids write jokes. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's really it's fucking brilliant. So Inferno Cop's cousin, Over Justice, is in Space Patrol. Over, over Justice. <laughs> yes. He's called Over Justice. Over Justice. And, uh, well, what a fucking name! What we've been talking about applies. So, so yeah, you just need to see Luluko. <laughs> well, because yeah, maybe Gurren Lagan first, and then Luluko. But yeah, it, oh, Over Justice is so good. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, anyway, shit. anyway, uh, I don't really have too many other points that we've touched on. A lot of the stuff I wrote down. Yeah, the only other thing I have we- written down is um, is speaking of King Swain, um. This could be nothing, but I want to think that it's something. Um, when he asked uh, Floki about uh, Canute and had that discussion, he had it with the crown off, and then when he was done, he put it oh, back just on. just casually spinning in his head. So it, it's, yeah. it seems like um, it was the sort of... This is very basic kind of visual uh, metaphor or or whatever, but like it felt like he was talking as a father 
without the crown on mm. as you know and like i'm I'm worried about Canute. and then it's like mm. when i wear the crown i have to be like i can't like show special concern or have like these kind of feel i have to like rule i i see where you're coming from i'd like to think I, that's i'm not happening. saying I'm I'm not saying your interpretation is valid, but I'm going to take the more cynical approach, as is often my want on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that him spinning the crowd around his hand or holding it like that is him taking the role of king too lightly. Like he, in theory, should be you know leading his country for the better. All he's doing is just having a dick measuring contest with England for basically no reason. And I think that that lack that lacks attitude to wearing the crown as he as he is there. I think that's representative of that. Mm-hmm. He's a bad king. And he's also in dire need of going to the fucking gym. Get a treadmill, man. Get an exercise bike. Yeah. I mean, I heard that Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones was a bit on the poorly side. You're right. Get me the breastplate stretcher. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And that's who I'm reminded of here. There's the fat king. Ineffectu- yeah, an ineffectual, useless waste of oxygen. But who people afford great respect to because of that, yeah, you know, right, right of power that he's got of this shiny object he wears on his head, even though all he's really contributed thus far is well, looking very bored, doing the classic Vinland Saga pose, mm-hmm. and well, sending her son off to war for no good reason because he wants land. Yeah, Odin said yeah. so. He's been touched by Odin. Last. Oof, I'm sorry. That's going to be a weird court case. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't really have much else to add either. Um, shall we recap some polls then before Okey we close dope. out? Uh, let me hit the refresh button uh, really quick here. Smash that button! So we can see the updated numbers. Vote. If you want to vote at Watery Desho, they'll be up for a week. Um, you know, you can vote now if you go to the Twitch chat and click the links. Or you could just go onto our Twitter and vote. Again, they'll be up for a whole week, so you can participate here. Um, so, poll number one. Is Shadon cursed as a poll maker? Uh, 78% say yes, totally. 22 say no, he's just unlucky. Uh, poll number two. Since we got a new OP, are visuals or music more important to you in an OP? 70% say music. Uh, mm-hmm. er, still early days, but uh, but that is a good start. That is you're all more and more correct. Uh, poll number three: Who is the butt of the joke? <laughs> I'm so sorry for that. I really am. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. I'm I'm like you know I'm like a, a moth to the flame. I should know better, but I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> no. No, and nor should you, because this is a prime poll material. Uh, who is the butt of the joke? 57% say Asser, and only 43 say Gradianus. That could be a closely contested race. Uh, as long as we're not shipping them to, I'm okay. <laughs> poll number four. If you put up a poll number six, I'm going to get you. Just, just saying. <laughs> Do you jo- don't don't do it. Don't do it, Doc. <laughs> do you join us in shipping Thorfinn and Canute? Sixty three percent say yes. Very good. And <laughs> poll number five, my favorite of the polls, Thornute or Canfin, and 
13% say Thornoot, 13% say Ken Finn, and 75% say I hate this. <laughs> Those are the faults. In- incredible. I I mean, you say I'm cursed as a poll maker. <laughs> I, 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 these are great oh, polls. I love these polls. Uh, oh my god. I'm, if you've ever put the words Rule 34 in now, I'm gonna. <laughs> there's gonna be blood. I'm just saying that now. But anyway, uh, let's round out our thoughts on the episode with some ratings. I'm going to pass it over to you firstly, Doc. What's your rating of the episode and your final mm-hmm. thoughts? I'm kind of torn between giving it uh, two different scores. Um, because I really liked the episode. I thought it was um, better than the show's been in a couple weeks. Definitely more meat mm. to chew on here. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it was really good meat. I mean, the Ascalad stuff was tremendous. Um, the Canute stuff was just great. I love his, like, the direction that they're taking his character. Yeah. I agree. I, I love the, the, like, if we could just have him arguing with Thorfinn a lot, like, I will just, I will eat that up. That'll be tremendous. <laughs> um, and... The show has been in dire need of something shippable since Ilya has left our presence. And, you know, hello, Canute. Welcome to the party. Um, oh, my God. So I think given all those positives, I'm going to, as I am want to do on this podcast, I'm going to go for the higher of the two scores that I was uh, kind of deciding <laughs> between. And I'm going to rate this. Um, I am going to rate this 4.25 Prince Valiant haircuts out of 5. <laughs> no, it's the Bruno Bucarassi. That's, you're right, the Bruno. Right, yes, 4.25 yeah. out of or 4.25 um, out of 5. Okay, for me then, um, I think that for me, the thing I appreciate most about this episode, it feels like Villain Saga is getting some real strong sense of focus again. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that there haven't been, like, a lot of, like, meaningful moments in the past couple of episodes, but it felt like we were killing time, really, to get to the later plot. And that's why I posed that question to you last time. Can we just could we just skip this? Could we have skipped all the lead-up to this? And a substantial chunk of it, I still think you could have done so. Mm-hmm. But now we're starting to get, like, the seeds being planted of new character arcs and revelations, particularly Canute, who, as I say, now feels like he's actually become a character rather than just, well, the MacGuffin. I mean, up until this point, you could replace Canute with, like, say, a Royal Scepter or the Ark of the Covenant or some shit, and it would have basically had the same effect for me. But that's now changed, and we've got seeds of things being planted for the future, which I really, really like. Plus, again, more reinforcement of the theme of the show, but in new and interesting ways. Rather than it just being beaten over the head with people talking about it over and over that we don't care about, it's actually about the characters that we want to learn more about. So that's where that focus comes in that I said before. I am still of the opinion the show needs to pick up its pace a bit more, but I am certainly more on board than I was in the previous week. For that reason, plus all the good stuff that we've talked about here, I'm debating one of two... I've got two scores in my head as well on this one, if I'm quite honest. Do I be cynical or not? Do Do I have my glass half empty or half full for once? I don't know. I'm saying nothing. Don't want to influence this decision. You, you are you are not helping mm-hmm. in the slightest. Um, 
you know what? No, I'm going to be a half full kind of guy on this. Uh, I'm going to give the episode four out of five, leaning on your face, couldn't give a shit expressions out of five. <laughs> uh, because, again, there's a lot of good stuff here to be unpacked, and there's certainly a lot promised for future arcs. And we're finally getting back to the micro stuff that's really interesting, mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, you know, macro war is hell stuff. Which, in some way, makes sense. You know, you start high, you drill, you drill down low. But the show did really start off in a micro level with fours and, and forfeit. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm glad we're now getting back to the, where it's truly shone before. Yeah, that all... So, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. Mm. So, uh, otherwise... Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention, do you know what I said before about Child of a Hero being an ambiguous style? Could it be Asgard or Thorfinn it's referring to? Because technically Olaf was a hero. If you want to argue the toss Um Oh, wait, so the episode, what is it called? Is uh, Child of a Hero. Child of a Hero. Uh, oh, I'm going to say that it is uh, that they're referring to Asclad, and mm. Artorius is, you know, the, the hero in question. It technically could apply to all three if you want to push it that far. I'm sure that, you know, before Sawin had one too many KFC bargain buckets, that, you know, he actually probably could fight. See, just like Robert Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, you know, he probably had his, he probably had a moment where he yeah. was in his prime as opposed to tucking into prime rib. So there's that. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. Before um, he had the so yeah, before he, he been, had a Popeyes yeah. built in the castle. <laughs> 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 He's just got the giant tubs of shrimp being brought every day. I really should be mocking him for this as someone who is himself overweight. So I'll just cut that there. But anyway. um Thank you all again, everyone, for joining us. Um, I'm really, really happy, as always, to continue covering Vingler's side. Like, I'm glad things are picking up again. Like, I might have been down on the show previously, but I was only down on it more because I'd seen how good it had been and I wanted it to keep that going or even build on that quality. And we're going back up now. We're getting back up to the good stuff, and I'm sure there's plenty of great things to come. Uh, we'll, of course, be continuing to cover this all the way up until I think it's probably going to be Christmas, isn't it, by the time it will. this concludes? Yeah. Much like it, Banana Fish. Yeah. Uh, so, oh boy, that's going to be a fun final episode, I'm sure. Much like the last one. Yeah. Like, how many, how many Christmases are you and I going to be covering anime on that, like, you know, the final episode is such a downer? Am I going to wear my stupid Christmas hat again and it's just going to be, like, you know, the most miserable that's talk ever? <laughs> Hopefully by then our YouTube live streaming will be unsuspended and we can do some kind of Christmassy thing that will be uplifting be- in spirit. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I've got. Well, I better start prepping my top anime of the year list, and also yes. I'd like to start dishing out some awards for some of the more heinous things I've had to put myself through. Hey, I can't. Uh, by wait. the way, in case you, <laughs> man, would you believe that I actually have two contenders for most disappointing anime of the year? Well, so I, I don't think Shield Hero you could count as disappointing. No, I can actually count as disappointing. I'll tell you why, without belaboring the point. Like. I hate all of its politics, messages, and general attitude towards everything, but it's just so lazily fucking written. Like, it's like I've said to you before, if Crunchyroll at least wanted to serve me a turd, the best they could have done was polish it first, wankers. So, like, uh, but the other- so what you're saying is, you thought it was going to be really, really bad already, but... I thought it was going to be bad for its ideas, but what I didn't expect to be bad for was its execution. E- even that standard to which your expectations were set you were disappointed that they those even oh, those low standards oh, abso- were not met. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I find it hard to like that. give sort of the label of disappointing to just things that that you just know are just awful. <laughs> They're going to be awful. 
but this is a uh, this is a, a totally subjective you know difference that doesn't matter <laughs> in in philosophies. So the other one, by the way, is One Punch Man season two. Oh Christ, that was a mess. Oh boy. And I'm not even. And before you even say anything, I'm not even talking about the animation. Like I'm completely disregarding that in my opinion. I just thought the scripts and the plots and the episodes were just piss weak if I'm quite honest that one is probably going to uh, sweep the, that that's, award that yeah. stung it stung watching mm. that show anyway uh, we'll not belabor the point here and keep you all any longer uh, that being said though if you'll indulge me for just two minutes of your time uh, do again feel free to consider becoming a patron of Warrior Death Show for as little as $2 a month you can get involved uh, in higher tiers like you know you get access to early content you'll be able to get onto our Sherlock discussion uh, you'll in turn be also able to request potentially for us to cover shows if you're on the highest tier of five dollars and there's plenty of other good stuff to be in there as well also including discord access if you want to talk to me doc of argelia firsthand got a bunch of cool patrons already in there again a nice little community foster which is fantastic yeah. i love talking to all of them. Mm-hmm. uh if you're not uh, following us on Patreon uh, or subscribing to us, uh, you can still help us by liking or subscribing wherever you may find us, be on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, you know, the local paper, whatever's good, you know. <laughs> what, if you find it on your local jukebox, just keep it playing, you know. Run it, run the, uh, you know, the club dry for a couple of hours <laughs> of listening to me badger on about shit. Uh, but yeah, it really does help our discoverability and accessibility if we do get those likes and comments. Um, so do feel free to do so wherever you can. It really, really is appreciated. But otherwise, uh, I believe that takes us to the end of episode 13 of Vinland Saga. Uh, we will be returning next week to cover episode 14. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is it this week that Sherlock begins or is it the following? I it does recall. begin at the end of this week. I don't know if we'll be able to end. record anything until next the week. The end. Yeah. Um, for those of you wanting to catch our Sherlock discussion, then it will more than likely be next mm-hmm. week it comes out because I am I am elsewhere. I am indisposed uh, yep. for reasons. But anyway, uh, that is my secret. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, on that on that ambiguous and mysterious note, I will bid you all a very good evening. Thank you all again very much for joining us. And as we're always very fond of saying here on the podcast, brace sure everyone to the ends of the universe. A very good night. Good night.